Get the little ones, sit back, relax, and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G, which means it's perfectly safe for folks and families of all ages. Yes, even Grandma. Enjoy. Chapter 21. Bert Mendel was a very nervous little man. It was just his nature, really. He had been one of those awkward children who looked like they would jump out of their skins if you said boo. He had grown, of course, developed an aptitude for the natural sciences and the sort of iron stomach that best befits those who work in forensics. He had joined the Toronto coroner's office, risen through the ranks entirely on merit, and was one of the most trusted deputies of the operation. But somehow he had never really lost the look of that awkward, sweaty little boy. Many people live all their lives with such a nervous condition and think nothing of it. They keep to themselves or learn to avoid situations that might cause them stress. Sadly for Bert, this was quite impossible. Not that he wasn't used to working in a quiet laboratory completely surrounded by corpses. Indeed, this was the only crowd in which he was ever truly at ease. But Bert Mendel was also an agent of the Red Panda, and he lived in mortal terror that someone would find out. Two years before, Bert had, like many others before him, become convinced that he had devised a perfect system to beat the odds at games of chance. He was certain that his system would grant him a life of luxury and ease after beating one of the big gambling houses at their own game. What Bert had discovered was that the only system that such games respected was one simple rule. In the end, the house always wins. Before long, he had found himself hopelessly indebted to some very dangerous types— Every time he tried to gamble his way out, he only dug his own grave a little deeper. In the end, when the men he owed knew Bert was a bad investment, they concluded that he could best serve their business interests as an example to others who might decline to pay. And so he had found himself on a bridge, badly beaten and about to be thrown into the murky and polluted waters of the Don River. He hated to think of his own desiccated corpse showing up in the morgue in which he had worked of his own organs being cut out and weighed, of his own flesh subjected to the same test to try and learn the identity of his killers. But it seemed the only, perhaps even the logical end. But that grim logic took an unexpected turn in the form of a mysterious stranger in a red mask. With mad, joyous laughter he had disposed of Bert's assailants, and in short order, with his remaining problems. His debts vanished. His lost savings were restored. He had been granted a second chance such as few men are ever given. But it had come at a price. Bert had wanted nothing more than to melt back into the anonymous little life that he had gambled away. But it was not to be. Bert Mendel, the man in the mask had said, I have restored your life. It belongs to me now. He had heard the first whisperings, of course. Few in the city had not. A mysterious being with inexplicable abilities on a crusade against crime. Some called him a menace, some a marvel. Some called him a Satan, some a savior. In time, all would know his name. But Bert Mendel had been one of the first to call him chief, even if he only thought of him as trouble. At the moment, trouble was leaning on his filing cabinet, flipping casually through his records. Trouble's crazy lady friend was hanging upside down from the ceiling, packed into a tight crouch, and watching Bert with that grin that made him think she just might go for his throat. He felt a fat bead of sweat drop from the back of his hairline and run down his spine icy cold. He shivered in spite of himself. 
The man in the mask looked up from the file, only slightly annoyed. This isn't really what I was looking for, Bert. It's all I got, Bert panted. You gotta get out of here, please. Bert, the red panda began with a smile as white as the blank eyes that peered from his domino mask. You're a monument to man's inability to learn his lesson. No matter how often I come to you with a nice, simple request. Simple, Bert sputtered. There ain't nothing simple about this. The red panda ignored the interruption. You still imagine you can get me to leave with a few waves of your hand and some desperate sputtering. You have information that I need. Lives hang in the balance. I don't really have time to do this the hard way. Those words seemed to hang in the air just a little. Bert turned his head away to peer over his shoulder. The flying squirrel had not moved, had not so much as budged. But it was just possible that her Cheshire cat grin had widened even more at the mention of the hard way. Hi, was all she said. New rivers of sweat rolled down Bert's face. She really was staggeringly lovely. He had never been quite so afraid of anything in his life. "'Do you think you can make her stop looking at me like that?' he whimpered. "'No,' the masked man replied. "'But you can.' "'How?' Bert gasped, unable to look away. She cocked her head to the side. "'Make with the skinny, sweet pea,' she grinned. "'I've given you everything I've got already,' Bert pleaded. The girl looked at her mentor and raised an eyebrow. "'Boss?' she said. The red panda flipped the file open and summed up the coroner's report in a scholarly tone. It says here that one of the four corpses pulled from the remains of Northcott's greengrocery was none other than Satchel Braun, notorious racketeer and former enforcer with Ace Rider's mob. He flipped the file closed with a smirk. You don't say, the girl said, releasing her hold on the ceiling, flipping in midair and landing on her feet, soft as a kitten. Well, that's very interesting. See, said Bert, that, that, that's got to be good for something. Oh, sure, she said, her voice dripping with sarcasm. Except he's the guy we recognized at a hundred paces, Bert. Who were his playmates? I don't know, okay, I don't know. Did you check out the rest of the rider mob? The rest of the rider mob, the red panda said sternly, is either in prison or in the boneyard. Case Burmel and Mitch Palmer are the only two still at large. And neither our behemoths nor our bomber were them. Look, Bert sputtered, you two were there. How can I tell you anything you don't already know? Chief O'Malley has this case locked down. If anyone found out I was talking to anyone, much less you, I'd be more than out of a job. I'd be in the clink myself. I have many agents, Bert, the masked man said seriously. Some serve me for the adventure, some out of a sense of duty. For some it is money, some a chance of redemption. Nearly all have some debt to repay, as you do. Many risk their lives in my service. All I have ever asked of you is that you do what you are already paid to do, but report to me when I need you. Your cowardice is often mildly amusing, but I'm afraid we just don't have the time today. Bert's ears and cheeks grew hot with shame. I don't... I didn't... The names, Peaches, the girl said. I can't give you names. I don't have names, Bert sighed. I don't have much of anything on those other three bodies. The coroner pulled the original reports. He's ordered fresh autopsies. That alone is interesting, don't you think, the red panda said, his gloved hand on Bert's shoulder in a gesture of apology. 
Tell me. Bert shook his head. The pathology was wrong. It was... It was bungled, that's all. The Red Panda reopened the file in his hand. The pathology was good enough to tell that Satchel Braun's jaw was probably broken before the explosion rather than by it. He looked up at Bert. I broke it. Their eyes locked for a long moment. At last, Bert slumped a little. I didn't sign off on those reports, but I helped with the workup, Bert said heavily. I've never seen anything like those bodies before. I mean, there wasn't a lot left of them, you understand. Especially the one wearing the bomb. They didn't find enough of him to fill a shoebox. A uh, lower jawbone that was probably his couldn't match the dental work, such as it was. Teeth were pretty awful. He could have been a drifter. The flying squirrel sat at one of the stools by the workbench. The bomber who had destroyed himself with the building had haunted her a little. She was not pleased that there was little possible resolution to his story. Bert continued. The two gorillas were in better shape, uh, so to speak. Uh, I never seen guys like that. There was... They weren't natural. Somehow, something had enhanced their strength, I guess, but they were massive. The flying squirrel rolled her eyes a little. We noticed that, too, she said. One of the gorillas we couldn't tell from Adam, but we had a hit on the other. There was enough left of his face to make a positive ID. Some guy who worked down at the Port Authority. A big fella, sure, but not like this. He went missing two weeks earlier. Nobody reported it. They figured he'd just moved on. No family? asked the squirrel. Not so you'd know, though I guess somewhere, Bert trailed off. Here's the thing, though. The cops ran this guy's record, clean as a whistle. If he'd ever been anywhere near trouble, nobody'd ever heard of it. Two weeks later, he's twice his original size and smashing heads for the mob. Too screwy for me. Perhaps, the Red Panda said seriously. But for the coroner? Uh, that was different, Bert continued. Listen, I don't know how to explain it, except that if you spend enough time around dead folks, you get kind of an instinct for it. The tissue, it didn't... didn't feel right. And I don't just mean the explosion and the fire. I've dealt with things like that before, and this was... it was wrong. It was like... like a cadaver more than a corpse. More like something that had been in a jar of formaldehyde, except it was nearly a whole person. So we ran some more tests. Everything came back the same. And, the flying squirrel leaned in, those gorillas? They'd been dead at least a week. The bomber, too. What? She sputtered. Bert, we were trading punches with them an hour before. Well, I didn't know that at the time, so we put forward the theory that they were plants of some kind, uh, that it was part of some caper. What kind of caper would that be? She asked incredulously. Uh, yeah, that's where we kind of ran out of steam, too. Anyway, the coroner flipped his lid, said we were all idiots, and ordered new pathology, told us all in no uncertain terms that if any of us breathed a word of this, we'd be out on the street. Now we're up to our elbows in fresh bodies from the Golden Goose, and you've got four more that tested the same as the others. The Red Panda finished the thought. How in blazes did you... Yeah, yeah, that's right, Bert said, wild-eyed. And none of us knows how to tell the coroner. Or what to tell him. It's all crazy. Boss, the squirrel began, do you know what the screaming blue heck is going on here? 
I just might have an idea, the masked man nodded. But I need those reports, Bert. Bert sighed and pulled a thick folder from the lower drawer of his desk. The boss took all the copies of the first reports. These are the test results on our pickled eggs from the goose. Even some tissue samples on slides. Uh, I figured you'd be around eventually. The red panda smiled and placed his hand on the folder. Bert did not let go of his end. He met the mystery man's blank eyes and held them. It's not a little thing you ask of me, Bert said seriously. No man may serve two masters. One day, Bert, the red panda said, I hope that you will see you have only ever served one. Bert's brow was still furrowed in confusion ten seconds later when both heroes were gone without a trace. Clearly, today was not going to be the day. through the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre, and the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night.